where we'll be tonight. Hebrews chapter number 12. How many of you uh, have been working outside the past couple weeks? It's just normally what you do. You work outside. Raise your hand real high. All right. So, every day when you've gotten home, what have you wanted to do? Uh, glass of uh, iced tea or I say iced tea, sweet tea. Because it's not sweet tea, it's just water. Right? That's what you've wanted the past couple weeks. It's been hot. And I'm thankful, I'm hopeful this week we're going to get um, just a little cooler weather. But uh, tonight, as much as sometimes physically... We want to sit in the chair and relax, and that's okay. We need to do that sometimes, don't we? Spiritually, we can't do that. I'm going to preach a message to you tonight. I've preached before. I like to give all transparency when I do that because I don't like to do that. Uh, Very, very rarely, rarely, rarely do I do that, but when I do, I'm transparent and let you know that. But I'm going to preach a message tonight that uh, I've preached before. And I hope it's an encouragement to you tonight. It's been almost seven years ago, so most of you wouldn't remember it anyway, even if I hadn't said anything. But uh, I like to be transparent about it. So Hebrews chapter number 12, and we'll begin. So you don't have to pay me for tonight this week, amen? I'm just kidding. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Actually, I spent the afternoon with your teenagers. I should get double pay. I'm just teasing about that. They're easy. They're very easy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says, wherefore, and we mentioned that this morning because we read verses 1 and 2. Wherefore uh, means because of the preceding proof, the following is true. Okay, so the preceding proof of Hebrews 11 and what we've just learned in the entirety of 40 verses in Hebrews chapter 11. Wherefore, because of that, what I'm getting ready to tell you is true. He said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. In the state of California, every year in the month of June, they have a race that is called the Western States Endurance Run. It is the world's oldest 100-mile trail race. The starting line begins in Squaw Valley, California and ends 100.2 miles later in Auburn, California. From its inception in 1974, the Western States Endurance Race has come to represent one of the ultimate endurance tests in the world. Every few miles along this trail, as with really any race course, every few miles there is an aid station. At this station, the runners receive water, the runners are checked for dehydration, and the runners may also take a rest in one of the complimentary lounge chairs. However, there is a phrase used by the runners 
in regards to these chairs. Anybody know the phrase? Anybody remember the message? Huh? There's a, huh? Somebody listened. Seven years ago, they listened. There's a phrase used by the runners regarding these lounge chairs, and it's simply this. Beware the chair. Beware the chair. Because once seated in one of those chairs, there's the possibility of not wanting to or not being able to get back into the race. And so my admonition for us tonight as a church family is simply this. Beware the chair. Spiritually speaking, ministry speaking, Hebrews 12, 1, 2, and 3 speaking, beware the chair. And so I want to give you some truths tonight from these three verses. Listen, now is no time, and no time has ever been a time, But the closer we get to the coming of our Savior, it is no time to sit and relax. No time. It's no time to sit and to take it easy. I was watching the news this week, and or actually I think it was a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about some school systems. I forget exactly where they're at, what part of the country they're in, but they're talking about going to a a four-day school week. And I'm okay with that. That, that's, That's not... An issue, if you can get school done in four days, do it, you know. If you can get school done in three days, you know, do it. But the reason they're going to four days of school is because the kids are just so overworked. They just can't handle an extra day, okay. And so they're going to four days. So what are we going to, we're going to end up with one day of school one of these days? I don't know. But they're going to four days of school because the kids are just so overwhelmed and so overworked. You know, here's the truth. In our Christian lives and even in church ministry sometimes, we can kind of get that mentality that, whew, it's just too much. I've done enough and I just need to take a seat in the chair for a while. By the way, mamas and daddies, you can do that at home. And I say to us tonight, beware the chair. Can I tell you, in the many years of being in church, because my mom and dad, they raised us in church, but in the many years of being raised in church, I've seen family after family after family who said, you know what, we just need a little break. And they stayed out of church for a little while, and they never came back. They never came back. Or maybe someone stepped out of a ministry and they said, I, you know, I just... And look, please don't misunderstand tonight. I understand there are times when we need to take a step back on some things. I, don't, don't misunderstand me. Don't take offense to anything that's said tonight. But sometimes we get that mentality and we think, well, I just need to, need to step out of the choir for a few months. That may be true. You may need to do that. But many times when that happens, they don't ever come back. Or I need to step out of teaching this class for a while and they lose their desire and their energy and their love for teaching that class and they never come back. I need to step away from teaching children's church or working in master club or being a leader there or working in the van ministry or whatever it might be tonight and we step away and maybe we don't ever get back. My admonition is just simple tonight. Beware the chair. 
Beware of, spiritually speaking, getting into that recliner and you don't ever get up. These past couple weeks, if you've worked all day outside and you've come home and you've gotten in the recliner, it's probably been hard to get you up, hasn't it? And by the way, rightfully so. If you're working out in 100 degree weather all day, every day, rightfully so. But Lord, help us tonight that that's not the case in our spiritual lives. And so, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help tonight. And I want to give you some truth here from Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Father, we love you tonight. And Father, we understand tonight that you have left, excuse me, left us here for a reason. You've given us a divine purpose. You've given us a divine power. And Father, we have a divine period. We don't know how long that is. And because of that, we need to be aware of the chair. And so, Father, I just pray that you'd remind us of some things tonight, that you'd teach us. Father, that you'd encourage us tonight. We, we all get weary in the battle. We all get weary because we fight a spiritual battle every day. We have an enemy that, that never gives up, that's constantly just after us and on us. And, Father, it does get weary sometimes. But, Father, I do pray that you'd remind us tonight that the rest that you desire for us is found in the yoke with you. That's where we find rest for our souls. And so, Lord, teach us and help us tonight. We'll surely thank you for it. Father, be with those that are away from us. I do lift up Miss Sissy to you tonight. I lift up uh, Miss Pam and Andrew and Abigail. Give them safety as they travel home tonight. And, Lord, anyone else. I don't want to miss anyone tonight, but anyone who's sick, away from us tonight. Brother Roger, Lord, I know he's been sick for the past few weeks. Lord, just give him a good night tonight. Touch his body. Lift him up and heal him. And, Lord, others that may be sick or traveling, Lord, we pray that you bring them back to us. Help them to be with us at the next appointed time. Father, we'll surely thank you for it. Help us, Lord, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Number one tonight, beware the chair. I want us to see, first of all, and this is very easy. It's right here in the passage. But number one, we have, we have a race to run. Every single one of us tonight, we have a race to run. We've spoken about it recently, the past couple of weeks. We said that's why Christ has left us here. We have a divine purpose. That is to be a witness to the world. But in addition to that, we all have many responsibilities. We, we're, we're dads, we're moms, we're, we're, we're workers, we have responsibilities and jobs. We have a race to run. The Bible says there in verse number 1, wherefore. Okay, we, we've seen all of these great examples of faith. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We've seen all of these men and women of faith. Let us, let us. Paul uses that phrase many, many times in the book of Hebrews. Let us. Let us as Christians, let us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who understand that He is the Messiah, let us, let us lay aside, the Bible says, every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We have a race to run. First of all, the race demands, this race demands a runner who has faith. This race demands a runner who has faith. That's what he says in verse number 1. Wherefore, the preceding chapter 11 proves the following that we're getting ready to speak about, proves that it is true. Wherefore, seeing we have this great cloud of witnesses, seeing that we're encompassed about with people who did it before we did, they prove to us that it can be done. They prove to us that we can run our race and finish. It demands a runner who has faith. The cloud that he speaks of. It's a great cloud of witnesses. The race demands a runner who has faith. 
Number two, the race demands a runner who is fit, spiritually speaking. The race demands a runner who has faith, but the race demands a runner who is fit. The Bible uses the phrase in verse number one, to lay it aside. The race demands a runner who is fit. And we've spoken about this even recently. When we looked in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, look, I know who I'm fighting. I'm not just beating the air. He said, I bring my body into subjection. Isn't that what an athlete does? An athlete brings their body into subjection, do they not? They eat right, they sleep right, uh, they, they, they drink lots and lots of water. There are things they don't drink, there are things they don't eat, there are things they do drink, things they do eat, they exercise. They bring their bodies into subjection. They say, all right, if I want to be a good athlete, if I want to be a good runner, if I want to be a good football player, if I want to be a good basketball player, listen, if I'm going to do that, I have to bring my body into subjection. If I'm going to have endurance, there are things I cannot eat, there are things I must eat and must put in my body that are going to give me endurance. They are fit because they lay aside the things that are going to hinder them from being a good athlete. And Paul tells the Hebrews here, he says, look, if you're going to be a good athlete, spiritually speaking, if you're going to run the race that God has given every single one of us to run. Now, by the way, he's given us all things to do. And many of us, we we may have different lanes and different things that we do, but we're all running this race called Christianity, the Christian life, because he saved us out of sin. He saved us uh, into Christianity. He has made us Christians and he has saved us to to serve and to live and to run this race. Number one, we have a race to run. The race demands a runner who has faith. The, excuse me, the race demands a runner who is fit. A weight is anything which hinders my spiritual growth. Think about this. On a trip, you may make pit stops to fuel up the car and yourself. You make pit stops to fuel up, Right? But none of us like traffic jams. None of us like mechanical issues. Right? Are you with me? None of us like those things that hinder the journey and the trip. You may be different than me. I don't know how my family feels about it. We've we've done it for many, many years, so maybe they're okay with it. Maybe they just don't say anything. But when we take a trip, we get in and we go, there's not a whole lot of stops. We're going to stop and get gas, and when we stop and get gas, we're going, to, we're going to fuel up the car. We're going to fuel up ourselves and other things as well, and we're going, right? Right? And we're not making... Hey, do you like tourist traps? Oh, I love tourist traps. We stop at all of them. We don't because I hate them. Tourist traps. We took Paige back to school a couple weeks ago. We stopped at Bucky's in Sevierville. Not in Crossville, Sevierville. By the way, it wasn't too bad. But we walk in, Josh is right at my side. Daddy, too many people. Too many people. Too many people. Let's go, too many people. I'll tell you what, the, the brisket sandwich was delicious. Absolutely delicious. Pit stop, that was a good pit stop. That wasn't necessarily a tourist trap because we only bought a brisket sandwich. We don't like tourist traps, do we? You know what? That's what the devil does. He puts weights on us. He hinders the journey. He hinders the trip. He hinders us from being fit. 
Hey, every single one of us need pit stops. Every, every single one of us need to fuel up. But none of us like the traffic jams. None of us like the mechanical issues on the car. The, the, the tire goes flat or whatever it may be. None of us like tourist traps because they hinder our progress. Because if we're making a trip, we're getting in, we're going, we're getting there. And then when we come home, we're doing the same thing. It requires a runner who is fit. We so many times as Christians, we take too much baggage on us. A weight is different than sin. He uses the two different words because they're different. A weight may not be a sin, but it still hinders us in the journey. It's not best. It's not what allows us to be able to run efficiently It doesn't allow us to be able to run the race the way the Lord Jesus Christ desires for us to do so. We have a race to run. The race demands a runner who has faith. The race demands a runner who is fit. And then thirdly, the race demands a runner who is fixed. The Bible says in verse number 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, excuse me, faith, fixed on running with patience, fixed on the path that God has set for us, fixed upon the person, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That word looking in verse number 2, it is to turn our eyes from everything else and to fix them on one. Listen, there may be lots of other things we could fix our eyes upon right now. I mean, how many ever people are in here tonight? We could fix our eyes upon many different people. But the idea of looking unto Jesus is fixing our eyes. Just like if I fix my eyes upon Jacob tonight and I don't look at anybody else, I'm fixing my eyes upon one person and nobody else. And that's what the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 12. If we're going to run this race, we've got to fix our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking. Hey, if you're going to finish by faith, If you're going to finish just like this cloud of witnesses finished, if you're going to finish like Abraham finished and Sarah finished and Rahab finished, if you're going to finish the race the way they did, you better look at the one that they were looking at, and that is the author and finisher of our faith. He he originated it, he authored it, he finished it, that's who he is, that's who we're looking at. He's the finish line, he's the goal. We fix our eyes upon him and nothing else. Because if we don't, then we get detoured. If we don't, we're not running the race the way that Christ desires for us to do. Back in October of 1994, October of 1994, it was a a Sunday night at Bible College. Finished the service, went to the Varsity Commons to have supper. Some buddies of mine, we were in line. We were getting ready to go into the line to get supper. Sunday night was usually just a bag supper. You got it, went back to your room. But we were in line. And I remember standing in line. And I turned my focus and my eyes over to this big wall of windows there in the Varsity Commons. And they had little um, ficus trees along the way uh, in front of those windows. And on that night, my eyes fixed upon the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. See, y'all didn't know where I was going with that, did you? My, and it didn't matter who else was in that varsity commons. Hundreds of college students in that varsity commons that night. My buddies flanking right and left. But I didn't see them anymore. 
my eyes fixed upon the most beautiful young lady I had ever seen. And at that moment, there was nothing else my eyes were fixed upon. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to find out who she is. You know what, just like my eyes, and, and you men, you ought to have a story like that. You can tell, boy, I remember the time when my eyes fixed upon you and I knew that you were the one. I tell my wife that she doesn't believe me. But I believe there is one. I believe there is one for everyone. And I believe the Holy Spirit can give us confirmation of that. He said, oh, you're a little spooky now, Pastor. I believe in my heart that I knew, not that night, but I believe in my heart that God showed me she's the one you're going to marry. And by the way, that scared her to death. Because she didn't know that yet. And she's like, yeah, I don't know about him. You remember what I said this morning? <sighs> 27 years, that's what she's done. <sighs> I don't know. Did I make the right decision? But here's the point. My eyes fixed upon her. And the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul tells the Hebrews... You are to fix your attention, you're to fix your gaze, you're to fix your eyes upon the author and finisher of your faith. And so number one tonight, we have a race to run. It demands that we're fit, it demands that we have faith, it demands that we are fixed. Our eyes are fixed upon the goal line. Number two tonight, not only do we have a race to run, but secondly, we have the temptation to tire. We have the temptation to tire, to get weary, to get tired. Notice verse number three. We have the temptation to tire. We have a race to run, but we have the temptation to tire. We have the temptation to sit down sometimes. Beware the chair. Verse number three says, consider for consider him, speaking of Jesus Christ, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Notice this. He said, look, when you're running this race and you get tired, when you're running this race, you ought to be looking at the author and finisher of your faith. When you're running this race, you're going to get tired. But when that happens, you need to consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners. When you get to the point when you're tired and you're weary and you're faint, you need to consider and you need to remember the one who took everything for you, the one who took your suffering, the one who took the contradiction of sinners, the one who took his, your sin on himself, the one who his back was beaten, his body was beaten. He could not even carry the cross, but he went to the cross of Calvary for you. He said, look, whenever you get tired and you're ever thinking about quitting and you're ever tired in your mind or even tired in your physical body or tired in your emotions, he says, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds, Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider Him. Consider what He did. Consider what He went through. Consider what He endured. And what we endure is but a light affliction, the Bible says. Consider. So number two, we have the temptation to tire. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. We even have preachers today who talk about the fact that they're overworked. I was... Oh, I forget. I forget who was telling me this, but another pastor that was telling me that a young man went to be an associate pastor at a church. He told the pastor before he went, he said, I need to tell you before I come, he said, I can only work 30 hours a week. 
This pastor looked at this young man, young man, just out of Bible college. He looked at this young man and he said, you can only work 30 hours. And by the way, not because he was bivocational. He just said, I can only work 30 hours a week. This pastor, looked, and by the way, that pastor didn't hire him. Didn't hire him. But, but he looked at that young man and he said, so what am I supposed to tell the church member who works 60 hours a week to pay your salary? We got pastors who are saying they're overworked. Look, we get weary. Now, I get it. Everybody needs physical rest. By the way, God taught us that. That was the seventh day. Okay, everybody needs physical rest. But God help us that we're in the ministry. We, we, we serve the King of Kings. And we say we're too tired. And we say we're wore out and we do too much. And I can only work 30 hours a week? Go try to tell your boss that. You can only work 30 hours a week. And I love what he, I love what he said. You pray tell, tell me what I'm going to tell the church member who works double that to pay your salary. No, no we need to work. We need to work. God has given us bodies to work. And Paul said, look, there's going to be a temptation to get faint in your mind. And and serving the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes you're going to get faint in your mind. And, And sometimes you are going to get a little weary. The Bible speaks about that. And sometimes you are going to get tired. But he said, look, when you do that, just consider. When you do that, remember the one who endured everything for you. The one who not only was faint and weary in his own physical body, but he took the sin of all mankind upon himself who knew no sin, despising the shame we saw this morning in the book of Acts. Or actually, not in the book of Acts. It's it's right here. Despising the shame, enduring the cross, despising the shame. We have the temptation to, to tire. Let me, let me give you several things here real quick and we'll move on to the last and we'll be done. We have the temptation to tire. Listen, we may need to rehydrate. We need that. You don't have to turn. Let me turn and read some of these passages for you real quickly. If you're taking notes, write these passages down. Psalm 63. Psalm 63. We may need to rehydrate. Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. He says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory. So as I, excuse me, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and Meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help. Therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes, but the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. David's saying, look, I, I, you know, I'm enduring these things. I'm enduring the enemies. And by the way, many of his psalms are dealing with that. 
But he said, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. Why? Because my soul thirsteth for thee. We may need to rehydrate. That's necessary. We, we, we need constantly to go to the Word of God to be rehydrated, to be filled because we do get thirsty. By the way, the problem many times with Christians though is, is they take a lot in but they don't give anything out and they don't ever get thirsty because they just stay full all the time. They take everything in that they get from the, the, the house of God. They take everything in that, that they get from their own personal Bible study and they don't ever give anything out. As we talked about this morning, they're a vessel... They have lots to pour out, to saturate, but they don't ever pour it out. Look, we may need to rehydrate. That's necessary. Secondly, not only may we need to rehydrate, we may need to refresh. Take your Bibles. You're in Hebrews chapter number 12. Turn back, if you would, to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 15. We may need to refresh. That's necessary. Apostle Paul says it here in Romans 15. We have the temptation to tire. We may need to rehydrate. We may need to refresh. Romans chapter number 15, verses 30 through 32. The Bible says, I beseech your brethren for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in, that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God. And notice this. And may with you be what? Refreshed. You know what? Many times we need each other to be refreshed. By the way, that's why church is so important. It's not the only reason, but it is one reason. It's not the main reason. The main reason is because we need to come and we need to be provoked to love and to good works. But we also get refreshed from each other. We also get help from each other. We, we've had a busy week. We've been in this old dirty world. And we need to come with God's people and help each other and refresh each other. We may need to rehydrate. We may need to refresh. Thirdly, we may need to renew. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we're to renew our minds daily. Isaiah 40 verses 28 through 31 speaks of being renewed. We may need to be renewed in our minds. And we should. We need to daily. We need to be renewed in our minds. We may need to rehydrate. We may need to refresh. We may need to renew. But let me give you two more. But but we must never relax. You say, Pastor, I don't agree with that. I'm not talking about physically. And I'm not even speaking about emotionally or spiritually. There are times when we need to come apart. Jesus Christ said that. He, he talked often about coming apart, coming away from the crowds. Okay, there, there are times from that, or excuse me, for that. What I mean by that tonight is there's never a time to just take a month off, a week off, two months off. There's never a time to do that. There's never a time to stop ministry for Jesus Christ. Even when we're on vacation or even when we're stepping away to get refreshed in our own physical bodies and our spiritual minds and, and, and our, our emotions, even in that, we're not stepping away from Christ. No. We may be stepping away from the busyness because our bodies need that but we're not stepping away from Christ. Hey, take your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew real quickly. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 
preached a message probably about two or three years ago, I think right after the craziness of COVID kind of slowed down. In Matthew chapter number 11, and we preached a message entitled, Rested Bodies and Wearied Souls. Because for the child of God, spiritually our rest comes from being in the yoke with Christ. It doesn't come from stepping away from ministry and work. Look what it says in Matthew 11 verse 28. He says, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Okay, are are they tired? Are they laboring? Are they heavy laden? Absolutely. He said, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And notice this, And I will give you rest. How is he going to do that? Verse 29, take my yoke. Wait a minute! A yoke? That sounds a lot like work. Isn't that what they put on the oxen when they're getting ready to go to work? Yes. He says, the idea is, look, you're doing this all on your own. Verse 28. Verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Notice this, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Rested bodies, but wearied souls. He says, When you get in the yoke with me, your soul is going to be rested. In verse 30, he says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because who's doing all the pulling? Oh yeah, we're working, absolutely. But who's doing the pulling? Yeah. You, you, you put two oxen in a yoke, most of the time you're going to have one that's a little bit bigger than the other. You're, you're going to have one oxen that may be the, the alpha oxen. You have another oxen that's a little bit smaller. Who's doing most of the pulling? Now they're going to pull together because they have to pull in a straight line. But you usually have one that's pulling a little bit more than the other. The Bible says, look, getting rest for my soul doesn't mean I step away from from ministering with and for Christ. It means that I'm in the yoke with Christ constantly because that's where my rest is. And so, yes, we may need to rehydrate. And yes, we may need to refresh. And yes, we may need to renew. And by the way, we do. Every day we need to renew. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice... Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing. By the renewing of your mind. Yes, we may need to be renewed. But we must never relax. And we must never resign. We must never relax. And we must never resign. We must never relax. And we must never resign. Refreshed, absolutely. Renewed, rehydrated, absolutely. But we must never relax and we must never resign. Rest is found in the yoke. Rest is found in serving with, not trying to serve by myself, but serving with the Lord Jesus Christ in the yoke with Him. We have the temptation to tire, but dear friend, beware the chair. Don't relax and don't resign. Don't relax and don't resign. Renew, refresh, rehydrate every day. 
in this weather last few weeks, if you haven't been drinking water, you're going to be dehydrated, aren't you? Your head starts hurting because you need water. So that's what our body needs. Spiritually speaking, we need it. We need the water of God's Word constantly. We need to be rehydrated constantly. We need to be refreshed constantly. We need to be renewed constantly. But relax? No. Not in the ministry. Not in the yoke with Christ. Resign? No. Step away from my ministry? No. Step away from what God has called me to do? No. He said, hey, believers, God has given you a race to run. Run it with patience. You, you, you have a race, you have a, you have a path, you have a course, run it with patience. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a sprint, it's a path and let's run it patiently. It's set before us, God has given it to us. We look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We may be wearied and faint in our minds, that, that, that may happen. By the way, Galatians 6 speaks about that, doesn't it? Be ye not what? Weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap, if ye do what? Faint not. Okay, we're, we're tempted to tire. But we can't resign, we can't relax. We have a race to run. We have the temptation to tire. Let me give you number three and we'll be done. Thirdly, we have finishers to follow. We have examples. We have a great cloud of witnesses. We're compassed about, the Bible says. With a great cloud. By the way, think about where, where do you see the cloud in the Scripture? We see it in the book of Exodus. What did the cloud do for the nation of Israel? It did what? It led them. What does this cloud of witnesses do? It leads us. It shows us. It, it examples to us that it can be done. Well, it's just, it, just, it just can't be done in 2023. It's just it's ministry and serving Christ and the Christian life and living for Christ. and Boy, it's just hard. I don't think it's as hard as we make it sometimes. It's only hard when we do it in our flesh. If we'll get in the yoke with the Lord Jesus Christ, He said, my burden is easy. Yet my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We have finishers to follow. Two things, we are compassed by a cloud. That word witnesses in verse number 1, it comes from the word martus, from which comes our word martyr. These men and women of Hebrews 11 that we have looked at and studied over the past few weeks, they so believed and so testified of God's Word that they were willing to give their very life for it. We have them as an example. We have finishers to follow. Those who finish their course. The Apostle Paul, he said, I fought a good fight. I've what? He said, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've done what? Okay, let me ask you. Was his course easy? But what do you say in Acts chapter number 20? He said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy. Oh, it wasn't easy. Many times the apostle Paul could have thrown up his hands and said, Who no, no, I'm going home. No, no, but he finished his course. Why? Because he had finishers to follow as well. And we have example after example after example after example who finished by faith. We have finishers to follow. We are compassed by a cloud. Example after example after example. And then number two, we've already mentioned this tonight. We have Christ to consider. We have Christ to consider. 
Look back just briefly, if you would, Hebrews chapter number 5. Look back at Hebrews chapter number 5 in, in Hebrews 12. Verse 2, it says, Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. In verse 3, it says, Endured such contradiction of sinners. Everything right that He did, they did opposite and contrary against Him. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 7, it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, was strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. We have a cloud. We have a, uh, uh, excuse me, we're encompassed by a cloud but we also have Christ to consider. We have finishers to follow. Oh, I just don't think I can finish. We have plenty of examples. And the greatest one is Christ. And we start feeling tired and weary, and, and, and we do. You know what we should do? Just consider Christ. Consider Christ. Consider all the labor that He exerted for others. Yet where were they when He hung alone on the cross? But He still finished. He still continued. He still endured. And He still finished. That word consider, it carries the idea of computing by comparing things together in their due proportions. He says consider, He says compare... Compare your light affliction to what he went through. He said, when you get ready to quit, and when you get tired in your mind, and you get faint, and you're ready to stop, he said, beware the chair. Just consider Christ. Because what you're going through is a light affliction compared to what our Savior endured. Oh, but it's tough. Well, sometimes, maybe. Because we are flesh. But you know what? He was here living in flesh as well. 100% God, 100% man. He felt all the suffering. He felt all the pain. He felt all the persecution. He felt, he felt that cat of nine tails hit his back and rip his skin off. He felt all of that. And he still endured. On the cross of Calvary... All of those that he had labored for and helped, many of them were gone. His disciples dispersed. But he still finished. Hey, where are the people to cheer me on to the finish line? See, here's the wonderful thing. We have plenty of people cheering us on. How many people were at the foot of the cross cheering the Lord Jesus Christ on? His mom was there. Some of the disciples were there. Some of the marginal disciples. But he still finished. We're encompassed by a cloud. We have many examples to follow. But we have Christ to consider, and that really, that's enough. We have finishers to follow. We have a race to run. We have the temptation to tire. And we do. We're just in flesh, and God knows that. Psalm 78, the Bible says, He remembers that we are but dust. He knows we're flesh. We have the temptation to tire. But we have finishers to follow. To help us to stay at it. 
to help us to keep at it. We're compassed by a cloud. We have Christ to consider. And by the way, Mom and Daddy, when you ever think about for a moment, well, I'm just going to take a little break. I'm just going to take a little break. We'll take a little break from church. And a lot of people do that during the summer. Summer's pretty much over now. But sometimes families do that during the summer. We're just going to take a little break during the summer. We've got a lot of activities, a lot of things going on. But before you do that, you better think about the little ones that you're taking with you. Beware the chair. I'm just tired. I'm busy. Well, then take you a week of vacation and actually rest. I mentioned this about three or four or maybe a month or so ago. Americans, we don't, we don't vacation right. Because when we come home, we need another vacation, right? We need a vacation from our vacation. We don't really go rest. Go get you a week of rest and then come back and keep your hands to the plow. Get your body refreshed and then come back, hands to the plow, because the hands never left. I just needed a little refreshment. My wife brought me a a bucket of water because I needed refreshment. My, My wife brought me lunch in the field. Some fried chicken and some potato salad because I need a little nourishment. Any of you ladies do that for your husbands? No, he don't, he, don't, he don't deserve it. He doesn't. You may need that sometimes, but we don't ever take the hands off the plow. Beware the chair. Oh, but the chair feels good. Yeah, it does sometimes, doesn't it? But when you get in it and you get relaxed, sometimes it's hard to get out. And spiritually speaking tonight, beware the chair. Hey, take the water. Let let them check you to see if you're dehydrated. And if you are, let them give you some uh, Gatorade and some electrolytes. But don't sit in the chair. You may never get out of it. We have a race. Tempted to tire, but we have finishers to follow. Let's follow them tonight. Father, thank you for the time you've given us. Thank you for your word. Father, I'm thankful for an auditorium full of people who, as best I know, they're they're staying at it. They're, They're not sitting in the recliner right now. They're staying at it. But Lord, I pray tonight you would just encourage us. When the devil comes along and puts those little seeds in our mind about, hey, just, t- just take a little break. Lord, please, oh please, remind us. Help us to consider Christ. Who for the joy that was set before Him, and we were part of that joy, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. Father, help us to consider Christ. Help us to consider everything He did for us. Help us to consider that He died on that cross alone, but He still died, He still finished, and He came out of that tomb three days later victorious. And He endured and He finished the race. And He did that for us. And Lord, if He can do that for us, Father, help us to be reminded that's exactly what we ought to do for Him. We ought to fix our eyes upon the author and finisher of our faith and keep our hands to the plow. Thank you for your word tonight, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight if we're physically able. Miss Jo's at the piano. She's going to begin to play. Invitation's really simple tonight. Maybe you need to come tonight. Maybe you have been relaxing a little bit. 
Beware the chair. Beware the chair tonight. Jesus Christ is coming back. No time to let up now. Your body need a week of vacation? Then take it. But it's no time to relax or resign. Your mind a little wearied, a little faint? Then go to the Word and let the Word of God rehydrate you, refresh you and renew you. It is the water, the water of the Word. It washes, yes, Ephesians 5 tells us that. It also rehydrates us, satisfies that thirst. I will follow, follow on, the song says. Hey, let me, let, let me even ask this tonight. You have a race to run. Let me ask you, are you even running tonight? Are you running tonight? God's given us a path. He's given us a course. He's given us responsibilities. Paul said that I might finish my course with joy. Hey, mom and dad, beware the chair when you let up and take a break on things that you allow your kids to do and you know they they don't line up with the Word of God. Beware. Oh, boy, I'm just tired of saying no all the time. Just tired. Beware the chair. Anywhere, everywhere, I will follow on, the song says. Anywhere He leads me, I will follow on. I I pray that that is our heart tonight. Anywhere He leads us, I will follow on. Hey, let's.